1: presented by Heart Tools, available at Walmart and Bank of America.
2: Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: And thank you for spending part of your day listening to us. It's our job to help you with projects you're working on, maybe today, tomorrow, the weekend coming up. If you've got a project you'd like to get done, if you need help solving a problem, tackling a DIY or decor dilemma, those are all things we'd love to talk about. You can help yourself first, though, by reaching out to us at 888 Money Pit or posting your questions at at MoneyPit.com. Coming up on today's show, if you've ever thought about adding hardwood floors to your home, you might be surprised to know that some hardwoods are, well, just not as hard as others. We're going to have tips on how to choose the toughest hardwoods so you get the maximum durability in today's smart spending tip.
3: And also ahead, tiles are beautiful and decorative elements for floors and walls, but finding replacements when one or two of those tiles crack can seem near impossible. So we're going to share some tips for repairing or replacing those hard-to-find tiles.
2: And hey guys, did you know that over 350,000 house fires happen every year and a big chunk of those are caused by faulty fireplaces and wood-burning stoves? Well, we think it's a good time to talk about what you need to know to keep things safe around your house.
3: Hey, guys, what projects are you working on? You've had a month of this new year. Have you started like 10 projects already or maybe one or half started two? Whatever it is, give us a call. We're going to talk you through it. We're going to help you with all of those home improvement projects that you got going or want to get going. So give us a call and we'll help you get it done right.
2: And you know what? If you do give us a call today, we can also give you some tools to get that job done because we're announcing a brand-new relationship with our new partner, Heart Tools. Heart Tools are available exclusively at Walmart, and they've given us a 20-volt cordless four-tool combo kit to give away to one listener drawn at random. That kit is worth 178 bucks. Going out to one caller, make that you. Call us at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your question at moneypit.com.
3: Susan and George is on the line with a cleaning question. How can we help you today? Hi, I my husband and I have purchased a 1920
0: Craftsman house. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's a beautiful home. Oh, it is stunning. It well, it will be. It's been neglected, <laughs> <laughs> and all the interior walls um, that we've exposed so far have antique heartwood pine. Okay. And so my question is not only cleaning, it's kind of threefold. First, I need to clean it. Um, it, has, it hasn't been cleaned in years. Um, you know, and what is the best way to do that? As well as, after I clean it, I was thinking, you know, I, what is the best way to restore it? The wood is dry and maintain
2: it. So when you say restore it, I mean, do you want to refinish these pine walls?
0: Yes, I do. Okay. They are. I mean, they're. It's antique hardwood pine. They're. I mean, they're. They can be really, really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> but because the house be. has, you know, some it had old coal fireplaces, mm-hmm. so they are yeah. just so really dirty. grungy.
2: Well, I would say clean it first, then we know how much more work you have to do, right, Leslie?
0: Yeah. What do you clean it with?
2: Well, because it's wood, you can't use a lot of moisture, but I would try something like Murphy's oil soap.
0: And that's okay to do on unfinished wood?
2: Yeah. I mean, does it, it probably has some sort of base finish on it. Does it not?
0: No, it does not.
2: There's no finish on it at all?
0: No. We actually, when we purchased the house, they had put up wallpaper on it.
2: A new idea. If it's completely unfinished, then you're going to have to sand it. So, I would start with one section and I would lightly sand it and see where it goes. I would use a medium grit like a, like a hundred hundred and fifty grit and take it from there. Now, I would you know sand it very carefully by hand to start with just to kind of see what I'm working with. If it looks like it's going to work out for you, then I would definitely rent or even buy they're not that expensive a vibrating sander and,
0: I actually tried sanding it in one area that's going to be a water heater closet. And it didn 't work so well, there was so much i guess uh, tannic acid or in it mm-hmm. it, was, it it wasn 't working very well if you want
2: to try cleaning it with something else that 's a little more um, heavy duty, you could try t s p and since you 've got this water heater closet, this could be your experimental room Right. but you could use trisodium phosphate, which is something that you can buy uh, in a home center it 's usually near the wallpaper in and the paint, paint prep. section. And you mix it up with water, and it's pretty good at pulling stuff out of, pulling stains out of things. But I've never used it on raw wood. I don't see why you couldn't give it a try, though.
0: Yeah, it hasn't. It actually, um, you know, I didn't know if mineral spirits or...
2: No, 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 no. That's going to do nothing but set it. Um, I would try the TSP, but... If that doesn't work, you're just going to have to sand this. And okay, that's you, fine. You're going to sand enough to eventually cut through it. I mean, it's not black all the way through, so eventually you're going to cut through to fresh wood. Right. And then once you sand it, what you're probably going to do is stain it, and that will even out the color. So I would use a Minwax stain, oil-based Minwax stain, and I would stain it to even out the color, and then I would finish it with a clear finish.
0: You have answered my question. And I'm so glad I talked to you. I didn't realize the mineral you know, mineral spirits would set it. So thank you guys so very
3: much. Now we've got Jim in North Dakota on the line who is looking to insulate the outside of his home. Tell us what's going on.
1: I'm up there in the cold country. <laughs> and I want to, I'm looking to, this past summer, I put siding on my house and new windows and doors and did all that stuff myself. And then I decided I better... You know, do my basement foundation, especially the the portion that's exposed. And I was, what I'm thinking of doing is uh, Menard sells those, I don't know if I'm supposed to say brand names, but sells those three foot by five foot sheets of uh, styrofoam with, uh, you know, rocks already glued or however they do that on one side. And that's what I was going to use, but I don't know how to attach that to the wall. And then I had a neighbor come over and told me that even if I do use that, because I've got about two foot of foundation exposed, so I'd only be going, you know, foot and a half or so under the ground with the rest of that. But our neighbor tried to tell me that if I don't um, go all the way to the bottom of my foundation with foam, that I'll create a hot, cold, where, where I stop, and he says I'll break my walls doing that. And I'm like, uh, really?
2: Well, Jim, first of all, do, are these foundation walls exposed on the basement side?
1: Yeah, yeah. there's, you know, there's, I've got uh, one, two, three windows in there. And that's another thing. I don't know how to trim around them with that, that foam stuff.
2: Well, here's what I would do. I would recommend that you insulate the inside of the foundation walls, not the outside of the foundation walls. Typically, when you build a house you know, and you excavate around the house, you do put a foam insulation around the outside walls. But, you know, short of you digging down the footings, um, I don't think it's worth doing it at this point. I would insulate the interior of the walls. There's a wide variety of different types of insulation products. Yes, you can get the kind that attached to the wall. There's also a fiberglass bat that's sort of uh, covered with a, a kind of like a foil vapor barrier that's specifically made for uh, foundation walls. And, Any of those are are good options to insulate the interior of the walls but just as important, if not more important, make sure you have plenty of insulation up in the box beam space, which is the beginning of the floor structure. A lot of folks will insulate walls and leave that uninsulated, and that's actually more at risk uh, for drafts. So make sure that the box beam area, the sill plate, all that area is sealed and insulated, and insulate, add the additional insulation to the inside of the foundation walls, not the outside. A lot easier to attach that way. If it's the foam, you could attach it with a construction adhesive. If it's the, uh, the back that's, there's different types of a clip system that comes typically with those. You'd buy it at the same place you got the insulation where it would be clipped into the wall. But I do think it's a good idea for you to insulate those walls.
1: Okay. He told me they do that because that's why he's trying to tell me that's why they insulate the outside of their walls up.
2: Now, your foundation would only crack if your soil got really wet and it expanded and it, and it cracked the walls. If you have good drainage, then your soil should not crack based on having insulation on one side and not the other. That doesn't make any sense to me at all.
3: Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors?
2: That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too.
3: Today, we're so happy to welcome a new sponsor to the Money Pit. We're welcoming Heart Tools. Woohoo! And to make their kickoff to the Money Pit official, we've got a great prize up for grabs to one Money Pit listener this hour. It's the Heart 20 Volt Cordless 4 Tool Combo. Now that's going to include the Heart Drill Driver, an impact driver, a reciprocating saw, an LED light, two 20-volt, 1.5-amp-hour batteries, a fast charger, and a 16-inch tool bag. Now, what's awesome about this 20-volt battery system is that it allows you to interchange the battery on all of the 20-volt Hart products, and that's going to include all of Hart's 20-volt tools, outdoor, automotive, even their lifestyle products, and these tools are very well-made, guys. They're versatile, and the kit offers everything that you need to tackle your next DIY project.
2: They're available exclusively at Walmart, offering a complete line of tools and accessories so you can easily tackle any project. Do it with heart. Learn more at hearttools.com. That Hart 20-volt cordless four-tool combo is worth $178 and going out to one listener drawn at random. Make that you. Call us now at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post your question at moneypit.com.
3: Now we've got Sue on the line who needs some help removing wallpaper. Tell us what's going on.
0: Well, I live in an older house that has every single wall in the house is wallpapered. Okay. Okay. And and I'm really sick of wallpaper.
2: Yeah. Probably Uh, a lot of years of wallpaper, too, huh, Sue?
0: Yes, it is.
3: Well... You know, as a decorator, wallpaper is coming back in a big way, and big, bold patterns sometimes work really well in interesting spaces, but they might not always be what everybody wants. Now, Sue, tell me, is it paper or is it vinyl?
0: I think it might be a vinyl.
3: Okay. Now, with vinyl, you're going to need to score that wall covering first, only because the vinyl is going to you know, stop any of your efforts from actually getting to where the paste is. Now, I've done this before, and it depends on how you've actually put up the paper and how long it's been there and what it is adhered to, you know, was the drywall behind it prepared first. That's all going to depend on your success rate in removing the wallpaper. But believe it or not, and it's definitely worth trying, it doesn't always work, but it has been successful many times for me. You can actually remove wallpaper with fabric softener. Really? Really? I know it sounds crazy, but Works you can great. mix about a third of a cup fabric softener with two thirds of a cup hot water, or you can even do it with um, what is it? Laundry starch. Equal amounts of laundry starch and hot water. And the laundry starch, the benefit I find with that is that it ends up being like a thicker consistency, so it holds the the moisture on the wallpaper where you want it. Whereas the fabric softener and water is a little bit wetter. But you, if you're using the fabric softener. You want to put it in a spray bottle, spritz that wallpaper, get it super wet, let it sit there for 10 to 15 minutes. That wallpaper, you're going to feel it start to loosen, and then you're going to peel it away, start at the bottom, work your way to the top. You may need a scraper to sort of get underneath it and, you know, give it a lot of elbow grease. But with the laundry starch and hot water, you can put that on with a paint roller or a sponge, super wet the walls again, let it stand until you can peel away. And and I would start there before I start, you know, renting steamers and you know, getting crazy chemicals. Just start and see your success rate. Okay,
0: it sounds easier than I thought it would be.
2: Well, that's that's what we're here for. Thanks so much, Sue, for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. And good luck with that wallpaper. Well, project. thank
0: you. I'm going to be starting it probably in the next couple of weeks.
2: Good, and then we'll talk to you next year when you're finished. Okay?
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm going to consider than that. <laughs> thank you so much.
2: You're welcome.
3: Well, if you're thinking about adding hardwood floors to your home, you might be surprised to know that all hardwoods are not the same. In fact, some can be more than twice as hard as others, and that also means that they're also more durable. We're going to sort out the differences in today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Cash Rewards Credit Card.
2: So, first, the hardness of wood flooring is determined by a scale called the Janka rating. That's J-A-N-K-A. And it's important to note because the higher the Janka rating is, the harder the floor will be, which also means it's less likely to wear and dent.
3: So, for example, red oak is probably the most common hardwood floor in most homes, and that has a janko rating of 1290, which is pretty much the industry benchmark for comparing the relative hardness of different wood species. Now, with older homes, softer woods like southern yellow pine are common, but that has a Janka rating of 870, which is about a third less.
2: Yeah, and in my house, I've got fur floors, because it's a really old house. I'm pretty sure that they're even softer than the Janka floors, because uh, the dogs seem to have a really good time scratching them up. <laughs> now, for the highest Janka ratings in flooring, you got to look at woods like that are exotic, solid hardwoods. They're the ones sort are of at the top of the scale. So Brazilian Walnut, Pecan, chestnut, have janka hardness ratings over 3,000, which makes them, if you think about it, pretty much twice as hard as red oak. Those are going to be the most durable choices if durability is what you're seeking in your hardwood floor choice.
3: And that's today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Cash Rewards Credit Card. We're all shopping for essentials online these days. Get rewarded for it with the Bank of America Cash Rewards Credit Card. You can choose to earn 3% cash back on online shopping.
2: Visit bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding to apply now.
3: Bill in Tennessee, you've got the money, pit. how can we help you today? I, I'm trying to clean some uh,
1: pressure-treated deck. This is on the second floor of my house, and also on the ground is uh, stone. What we have here in Tennessee is crab orchard stone. It's a soft stone. And it's turned black. the The, the stone is turned black over time. It's about fifteen years old, and the pressure treated wood is turned black also. And I wanted to see what the best thing to clean both of them. I tried cleaner on the end of a garden hose, and it don't. To, and I followed the instructions, but it didn't do much at all.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like a combination of, you know, the wood aging and also mold or algae. Now, you know, a pressure washer set to an aggressive but gentle setting, if that makes any sense, um, will probably do the best to kind of attack this growth on it. If you could use some bleach and water or wet and forget, a product like that, that will, you know, do a good job of, I'm not going to say attacking, but you know what I mean, like really aggressively going at this growth, that will probably do a good job of, of, you know, getting to the base of it and removing it from it. If you can get more sunlight on the area to sort of beat this shady mold growth that's happening, that will help tremendously. You know, there's some things that you can do there. Okay,
0: that's good. Thank you very much.
3: Now we've got Brenda in Illinois, who's got an HVAC question. What's going on? I have uh, an excessive amount of dust and lint that comes out
0: of my vents when the uh, furnace is running. It's the heat pump that we have. The heat pump is two years old. So I'd like to know, is there anything that you would suggest that we might need to look into.
2: Yeah, I think the reason that this is happening is because you don't have an adequate filtration system on your heating and cooling system. What kinds of filters do you have on this, Brenda? Do you know?
0: The name of it is Air Bear Supreme Media. We change these um, about every four to six months.
2: What's happening here is the dust and the dirt that's circulating in your house is forming in your house. And what happens is it's not getting collected by the filter. The filters could be improperly installed. There, there could be gaps where the air is getting around them. What you really should think about doing is installing an electronic air cleaner. This is an appliance that fits into the return duct side of the HVAC system. It's an, it's a, it's an appliance. It's not just a, a, a fiber filter or a mesh filter. It's an actual appliance. And it is very effective at, at taking out... You know, 99% plus of the, of the airborne contaminants. I mean, these things are so good today, they can come out, they can take out virus-sized particles. You can take a look at two brands that we can recommend. One is April Air. Okay. That's April, A-I-R-E. And the other one is Train. It's called the Train Clean Effects. Those are two highly rated, very efficient electronic air cleaners that I think will make a world of difference for you in cutting down on the dust that you're seeing. I just don't think your filtration system is working properly. Brenda, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: Well, ceramic and clay tiles are really beautiful, and they're decorative and lovely, but even just one cracked tile can really be an eyesore and throw off the look that you put so much thought into. So we've got a few ways that you can find and replace those broken tiles. Now, if you've got an extra tile, great, our work here is done. All you need to do is remove that old tile, glue the new one in place, touch up the grout, but... I mean, a lot of times this is just not the case. So if you don't happen to have some extra tiles, and please make a note, like next time you're buying tiles, get a bunch of extra ones just in case. But in the event you don't have one, think about it. You can transplant a tile from maybe a less visible spot. If you've got it in the kitchen, is there one under the appliance you can take away? Something like that where you're taking one away from a spot that nobody's ever going to notice. You can also bring those broken tile pieces to a very well-stocked tile store, and you might be able to find one that's a pretty close substitute. And, you know, you can also have a tile made to order. Now, custom tile makers can recreate that tile using shards of the broken tile that can match the color exactly. It is not cheap, though, guys, but it could be a good solution, especially if you've got several broken tiles. It's all in a prominent spot. You know, things like that. But it's a challenge to find a match, but there are ways.
2: Now, there's another way around this that doesn't involve replacing the exact same tile, what you could do is try to find a tile and use it as an accent color, like a different color, a different texture. Now, in that case, you might want to randomly replace a handful of tiles, you know, around the floor of the wall, wherever it is, kind of blend in with the rest of the field. So you can do this and, you know, really create a whole new tile look without having to worry about the expense or the difficulty of finding one, just one off tile that is just impossible to get. Tony
3: in Iowa is having a hot and cold water situation. What's going on? Well, I've got an electric
1: water heater. And the the main feed that comes in from from the city that goes into my uh, electric water heater, it's a cold line. But, yeah, I get cold water to come out of my faucets and everything. But that cold water line up around through the the, uh, water heater there, it's hot. the the line when I touch it. And I'm just curious what's going on with that.
2: So you have an electric water heater, and that's going to be fed by a cold water line, and it's going to go through the water heater and come out as a hot water line. That's correct. Okay. And so what's the problem? So far, it's normal.
1: The, The water line that goes into the water heater, the
2: cold water? Yes. Yep. That line is hot. Well, some of the heat from the water heater can be working its way back up the pipe. So you may be feeling some conductive heat that comes from the hot water in the water heater, itself could be making that pipe warm but if you go farther down the line you're going to feel that it's cold again it goes in cold and comes out hot but the fitting right around the top might feel like it's a bit warm but that's only because of the conductive heat of the water in the water heater coming back up the metal pipe okay that alleviates my concerns dear thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit well, whenever you listen to the money pit, you get chances to win cool stuff. And this show is no exception. We've got a great product here to give away from Heart Tools. It's the Heart 20 Volt Cordless 4 Tool Combo Kit and it includes the Heart Drill Driver, the Impact Driver, a reciprocating saw, an LED light, two 20-volt batteries, a fast charger, and a 16-inch tool bag. And I love this heart line of products because the 20 volt battery system works across all the heart 20 volt tools. So you can use the tools, the outdoor products, the automotive products, and even the lifestyle products. And these tools are super well made. They're versatile. And this kit gives you everything you need to tackle your next DIY project.
3: Heart Tools are available exclusively at Walmart, and they've got a complete line of tools and accessories so that you can tackle easily any project. Do it with Heart. Learn more at hearttools.com. The Heart 20-volt cordless four-tool combo kit is worth $178, and it's going out to one lucky Money Pit listener, totally drawn at random. So make that you. Give us a call now at 888 Money Pit 888-666-3974. Margie and Marilyn need some help with a, a kitchen incident gone awry. What happened? What happened is um,
4: it's sort of like a barbecue gone bad inside my house. I, okay. I had some deer meat in a big pot on the stove. It was it had a cover on it. And it. Um, I, w- I stepped out for a while and I came back and there was smoke everywhere in my house. And we opened everything, we opened all the windows and doors and all of that and what I need is to find out how to get rid of the smoke smell. It is just disgusting it 's terrible and i we 've done what we can i 'm washing my poor wash machine is going nuts. I just wash wash, wash everything, and we've forbriezzed on the furniture and um, but my 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 wood furniture i don't know what to do about, and my walls and my painted woodwork, because the m- the day that it happened, I washed up the floor with vinegar and water, but it seems like the longer it goes um, that it's getting harder on the surfaces that it's touched and i I just need some help to figure out how to clean it up, especially on the wood furniture, the walls and the
2: painted woodwork. Well, on the furniture, on the woodwork, I think something like Murphy's oil soap would be a good choice. That's a a mild solution that smells pleasant and is designed specifically to clean wood surfaces. However, I suspect that the source of most of the smell is going to be because of, of materials that are harder to clean, like fabrics, rugs, couches, upholstered pillows, that that sort of thing. And and for those, you really need to have a a professional company come in and clean them. I mean, there are are companies like, uh, I think ServiceMaster is one of them, that specialize in fire and smoke cleaning and water cleanup. And they have the right equipment with the right types of chemicals to take the odors out of those sorts of things. What you can do is clean those hard surfaces on your own. As far as the walls are concerned, I would mix up a, a fairly weak, TSP solution, trisodium phosphate. You can pick that up in the painting uh, section of any hardware store or home center and wash the walls down with that, okay?
4: Yes, thank you so very, very much. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, the National Fire Protection Association reports that over 350,000 house fires happen every year, especially, of course, in winter when a large number of those fires are caused by fireplaces and wood-burning stoves. So here are a couple of tips to keep in mind and keep you safe. First off, one of the leading causes of these heating fires is unclean chimneys. So these chimneys need to be cleaned and inspected at least once a year or once for every quart of wood you burn.
3: Now, next, many residential heating-related fires are ignited because the fireplace or other heat source is too close to the items that can burn. So it's important to maintain a safe zone around your fireplace and keep things like clothing, upholstered furniture bedding, all of that stuff that's quickly flammable at least three feet away from the fire. Also, you've got to be mindful of things like packages, bags, boxes. We all tend to just put things down where they fit sometimes. And if it's near a fireplace, we don't always connect that with a risk. You've also got to be careful to burn the right kind of wood, hardwood that's seasoned is best. You got to make sure it's dry so it's not smoking and it's properly igniting. You also always want to use a screen around your fireplace to prevent embers from flying and then potentially igniting a fire, you know, somewhere else in the room. You gotta be safe.
2: Now, if you're cleaning out your fireplace or your wood stove, you gotta store those ashes responsibly. What do we mean by that? First off, make sure they're cool before you store them. And what do you store them in? A metal container. You don't put it in the trash container. You don't put it in the rubber containers. It's gotta be a metal bucket and keep it away from the house don't leave it against the house against the porch i can't tell you how many times we've heard about fires that happened from ashes that were put in buckets and put outside near the house and the next thing you know the whole house is on fire so make sure you do just that you store the metal containers away from the house and never of course leave your fire unattended keep a fire extinguisher close by and always test smoke detectors to make sure they work
3: You go in Missouri, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? I'm redoing my kitchen and bathroom, and I'm
0: wondering what you would recommend for flooring it. I've got carpet in it now, and I sincerely dislike the carpet, (laughs) and I want to put something else in it. Would you recommend a? composite material or vinyl or linoleum or
2: what? Well, I can't think of two rooms that are worse for carpeting than kitchens and bathrooms.
0: I know. Tell me about it. I bought the house seven years ago and it had that in it. So
2: Yeah. A B- bad decor choice, but I think you can do a lot better. I think one thing that you might want to take a look at is laminate flooring because laminate flooring can come in a wide range of designs. I mean, it can look like tile. It can look like stone or it could look like wood. And it's really durable when it comes to moist damp places. What
0: about will a stove and refrigerator leave dents in it?
2: I mean, I've had laminated flooring down uh, in my kitchen for 10 years and we pull the refrigerator out whenever it's necessary. I never worry about it.
0: Well, I appreciate the information. I thank you and I'll look into it.
2: All right, Hugo. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT.
3: Now, Barsky writes, I bought a house that was built in 1958 and I'd like to make sure the outside kitchen, bath, and garage outlets have GFCIs. Do I need to add these individually or can I add them just once at the main electrical panel?
2: That's a definite maybe, Mr. Barsky. Uh, here's why. First of all, you are smart to add them. And for those that are unfamiliar, these are the outlets that have the test and reset button in it. And GFCI stands for Ground Fault Circuit Interrupter. And it basically detects any diversion of current to a ground source which, if it's you, could be really bad. So it starts the outlet off so nobody gets hurt. Now, today, if you were remodeling or you were buying a new house, you would find that these are, in fact, in the out, on the outside outlets, the kitchen outlets, the bath outlets, and the garage outlets, and even the basement outlets are going to have these ground fault circuit interrupter outlets. Uh, they do not have to be on every single outlet if the outlets are wired in series. So this is uh, really a question, Barsky, for the electrician you're going to hire to do this because it depends on how they're set up. Uh, yes, it can be for the entire circuit. If that makes sense, and, and here's why it may not. If you have a 1958 house, you may have one circuit for the entire kitchen, for example. Now... The kitchen has this big appliance called a refrigerator. When the refrigerator kicks on, it draws a lot of power. When you have a big appliance like that and it's on a ground fault outlet, guess what happens? It trips the outlet into thinking that it's a problem, and it turns off your refrigerator, and you get to come home to spoiled food. So that's why, yeah, it possibly could happen where you put it in the uh, in the main panel and it kind of covers the entire circuit. But you really need to know what's on that circuit before you do that. There are ways to do it either way individually. Uh, in- in a series or in the main panel, but it's really a question for a qualified electrician.
3: All right. Next up, David writes, and he's from North Carolina. So David writes, I purchased my home two years ago and the home inspection came back fine. Now the walls are cracking and the nails are popping out of the drywall. What do I do?
2: You know, Popped nails like that, drywall pops as we call them, are very troubling when you see them happen because you imagine that the house is disassembling before your very eyes. But it's really normal to have that, and it's caused by the expansion and contraction of houses, which happens seasonally. And with those nails, every time it happens, it, it will push the nail out just a little bit at a time, and that lifts the spackle off the head of the nail that was put on when the building was originally built, and it looks like a bigger hole and a bigger mess than it really is. So not uncommon, does not indicate a serious structural problem with your house. And what you need to do is to pull out any of those areas of loose nails and remove them completely and then replace it. I would use a drywall screw because they don't pop out. Or if you don't want to do that, you could put a new drywall nail In that same hole, what you want to do is overlap the head so you're not driving it back through the exact same place as the old one, then you can spackle, you can spot prime, and you can paint, and you'll be done. It's pretty much normal maintenance, and most of us will see more of that in the winter than we will any other time of the year when things start to really shrink.
3: I mean, you know, it's definitely just indicative of the house being the house and getting its normal age. It's not a huge problem. It can be a pain in the butt, you know, if you have to do a lot of them. And like Tom said, you pull out the other nail or you can put a nail next to where the head's overlap or pull out the nail and drive a screw. Either way, you're doing some repair work. So pick out some nice new paint colors
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show on air and online at MoneyPit.com. Thank you so much for spending this part of your day with us. We hope that we've given you some valuable tips and ideas to help you tackle some projects around your Money Pit. Remember, you can reach out to us at MoneyPit.com anytime as well as call the show 24-7. If we do receive your question, we promise to call you back the next time we're in the studio. Until then, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself but you don't have to do it alone